Well, hello, hola, bonjour. This is the Everyday Theology Podcast, and we are ordinary pastors connecting theological truths to ordinary everyday believers like yourself. My name is Ben Campbell, and I'm joined by not one, not two, but three of your contributors. We're all here. We're all geared up and ready to go. Our pistols cocked, and we are ready to fire. What's up, boys? Since I took three years of German in high school and we're <laughs> greeting one another in different <laughs> languages, I'll say guten tag uh, to all of you and to our listeners. Buenos dias. <laughs> and now and now everyone's wondering, are you guys actually ordinary pastors or are you a bunch of weirdos? We are actually, but we're just... But also weirdos. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. We're comfortable in our own skin, aren't we? On a good day. On a good day, yeah, yeah. Well, we are uh, so excited that you're here and so excited that you have chosen to continue listening after this meaningless banter. But uh, today, dear listener, we want to actually have a good, fruitful conversation with you, hopefully encouraging you on how you can prepare your hearts for worship in the local church. All of us are local church pastors. And we want um, to emphasize the importance of gathering in the local church. And so I think maybe that's where we ought to start. Like, guys, why why is it important to gather with your local church body um, kind of as a way to uh, segue into our conversation today? Well, there is no church unless it is a gathered church. You know, we think about the global universal church that includes all believers who confess their faith in Christ, repented of sin, trusted in Christ, uh, and have been regenerated by the power of the Holy Spirit. So that's the universal church. But there's also a local church, a local body of believers that gathers to observe the ordinances, hear the word proclaimed, sing, fellowship, pray, and all those priorities. So why is it important that we gather? We must gather because Scripture mandates that we do so, and it aligns us with the Judeo-Christian tradition. Rather than the teaching of, of some in our day, Ben, that, well, we could just have church on Facebook or or we can have church on YouTube. You can enjoy a sermon or a podcast but you're not going to grow in the same way as you would in a real service with real people. Yeah, I think that's, uh, first of all, I think Dustin's right. You know, Scripture mandates it, and there's definitely a purpose for that. You know, we are not to forsake the assembling of ourselves, as the Hebrews writer says, you know, with the Holy Spirit ultimately. Uh, these are one of those things that I think people today miss the point. Um, and it, I have come to find that if you even preach on this subject, it tends to not go over too well. Um, because as you all know, uh, we get a lot of parishioners that, uh, tend to make uh, excuses. Uh, but I think that's what, what has happened is that if we don't make worship our priority, if we don't, as we, as I like to say, uh, surround our lives around, uh, church worship, church services, um, then we'll surround our church worship around our lives. Um, and what I mean by that in a negative way is that, you know, if there's a ball game on Sunday, well, I can't I can't go to worship that day because I got a ball game to go to, or you know, my kids have got ball practice or whatever it may be. Uh, something just takes precedent. Like my job is what most folks like to say, uh, and add in there is that my job requires me, you know, to work on Sundays. 
And so therefore they have um, essentially made their work, their career, the priority and worship is just a side issue. Um, I think when we get to uh, the mindset that worship is a priority, we will start the beginning of the process of preparing ourselves uh, for the worship times that we do partake in. And uh, that's just one thing I want to throw in there. I think that it should be definitely a priority more than it should be just an add-on to life. No, you are you are so right there. Um, I think that's so true. Um, I, I'm just thinking, like, what, how, how do we? And maybe, um, you know, we can just talk about this for just a quick aside, like a couple minutes. But how how is it that we make worship in the local church a priority with your attendance that's an example example uh, yeah i was gonna say that that's the the biggest thing to me there are some other uh, i guess lesser ways to to prioritize but uh presence is 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 a big deal and not just physical presence but also uh mental and spiritual presence you can be somewhere physically, but not quite there uh, in in your mind and and in your spirit. So th- that's the biggest thing for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I appreciate that. Mauser brought out the presence not only of of one's physical person, but of the mind, the heart, and the will, uh, the total person being present in worship and. One of the things that that I think we'll talk about in this episode is what are some ways that our listeners can, though we are limited and though we all have a million distractions, pastors included, um, just recently uh, at, at a, where I serve as a second secondary staff member, not in the primary lead role, everything that could go wrong that morning kind of did. And we had all these distractions fighting against us. We we had technology problems. We had issues with the someone in our church who has an ongoing custody battle and just mm. a whole big mess that we had to deal with. And then <laughs> my pastor is dealing with all this and talking to our team leaders five minutes before service. So I know that had to have impacted mm-hmm. the whole day. But but going back to what you guys are saying, there is a presence. I heard in college someone say, wherever you are, be all there. I don't know what that looks like in the context of local church worship, but I, I know that that is something we all need to work at, is is all of us being present, as Matt pointed out, with our minds, with our hearts, with our will. Mm-hmm. It's very, very good observation, Matt. I think mm, I think I, I think that's really really helpful. Um, being like like you said, Dustin, being all there, um, like this worship. This is not. I think it's important for us to establish that this is not just one of those holiness checkoffs that we have as a part of being a Christian. Um, like this is not one of those things where it's like, well, I can't today because I've got to do this. No, you can't afford not to. Like, this is eternity that we're talking about here. This is worship of the Almighty God. 
Um, and this is worship with the gathered church as a member of the body of Christ. Um, and and I, I don't know what has played a role in this, but but we've lost the prioritizing of Lord's Day worship. Um, you know, I think of all of the all of the ways in which churches are now like doing Saturday worship services, or I heard somebody say one time that the church moved their work, their Sunday services to Thursday to accommodate for their people. No, that that's not what the Bible commands and warrants from the people of God. We are to worship on the Lord's day and we're to worship uh, him in spirit and truth. And we're to worship and prioritize this. It said it commands us to remember Sabbath and to keep it holy. Um, and that's not just like a corporate command, but that's also can be individualized. So, so guys, let, let's, let's talk about this then. Like what, what are some ways in which we can prepare our own hearts, maybe, um, maybe even as husbands and fathers, um, what are some ways in which we can, ways in which we can prepare our families for Lord's Day worship? I think it starts the night before if i can chime in um i think that we we as christians need to be praying for our church leaders throughout the week if you are a church leader then you need to pray for your team leaders your sunday school teachers and people that are volunteering in the nursery and even in the sound booth um, we, we need to pray for one another throughout the week but i think it's a good practice for our people to prepare their hearts for sunday worship on Saturday by going to bed at a reasonable time, praying for the pastor specifically on Saturday night that God would allow him to rest. If any of you guys relate to this, when I am on the schedule to preach as part of our preaching rotation, I wake up real early and it's not anything spiritual. It's, it's just, uh, it's just that I, can't sleep i'm thinking about my message i'm thinking about the people i'm thinking about what they've been through this week so i think praying for your pastor or pastoral staff uh, on saturday night is very important i think it's also important to think about what you expose yourself to the the morning of lord's day worship for example there is a difference in how your perception your attitude your thoughts your feelings are if you begin the day listening to worship music or maybe even you have the Bible app on your phone and you play through scriptures or if you're in a sermon series that your pastor's preaching or you know, you're know you listening to the Bible, that's different than turning on Netflix in the background. I, I enjoy true crime stories as much as anybody, but Sunday morning before Lord's Day worship is not really the time to be putting that in my mind so i think it starts guys with saturday night time management and prayer for the staff and the pastor but i think it also involves sunday morning and and just what you're taking in um and i know sometimes i mean i i work you know for my my job i work second shift and sometimes I can't get to sleep until after midnight, and it's hard to, to wake up early enough to prepare my heart for Lord's Day worship. But I'll tell you this, the Sundays that as a church member and as a 
as a lay pastor, the Sundays that I get up early, try to reset my mind, those are the Sundays that I end up getting more out of the service. Yeah, I think that's, uh, Dustin, you make a fine point on that. Um, as someone who who preaches um, twice a week and also uh, teaches on Wednesday night or whatever we do um, during those times, wherever we've got like a special guest speaker or whatever, um, I think it's important that the night before you definitely get in a mindset uh, and not, you know, even before you go to worship that morning, I, I usually get up about five o'clock um, on Sunday morning. I have to be at church by nine o'clock. It's when Sunday school starts. I usually get there about 830. Um, so I try to get up a little bit long, uh, just to have extra time to look over and do some last minute looking over my notes. Uh, the closer to the time of worship that it gets, the more fresh it's on my mind, the more prepared that I feel. Uh, but I think that, yes, it goes back to, you know, the Saturday night routine, you know, how early are you getting to bed? You know, what are you filling your mind with, uh, before that? And I have actually found that, uh, you know, filling my mind with, with, like you said, if you, something like Netflix or you're watching something on there and then you go to bed, it does affect you, uh, as a speaker. Uh, anything that the devil likes to tempt you with the night before can definitely sway the whole service. Um, you know, your, your preaching won't be as, as spirit filled, you know, as it would have been, if you would have been more prepared, if you would have been thinking more about, uh, holiness than your own happiness, um, you know, in regards to what you do, the Saturday night routine, um, Sunday morning as well. I mean, uh, you know, focusing on, on what is to come, but, you know, church members too, as a, as a church member, they can definitely be praying for their, you know, the Sunday school teachers, the pastor, especially, who's the one be delivering the, um, you know, the homily on Sunday morning, um, Sunday night, definitely be praying for them. And uh, that would be a huge help. And that's all really pastors want is they want their people to pray for them and be attentive. And, uh, and as you said about being all there, you know, being as, as Mauser had said, and as you had kind of pointed out, Dustin, is that we're, you know, we may be there bodily, but we're there not, we're not, we're not there mentally. Uh, so we need to focusing on, um, you know, how, how can we get in the, in a situation or in the, the mindset of I'm going to church today to worship God. I need to think about this. I've been reading my Bible. I've been listening, um, to, uh, to good music this week or whatever it may be, whatever your routine is. And I've been filling my mind with junk. Um, I think the, the week, uh, going back even before Saturday, and I'm talking like Monday morning, the next week's worship starts there actually. And uh, it's all that pursuit of holiness. And when we pursue that holiness in the right way, um, the church worship is going to be more, you know, fulfilling, I think, for us spiritually. But it's also going to be more glorifying to God. You point out an important element there. Um, and really, you talk about worship starting. I think we would all probably be in agreement here in saying that worship for the Christian never really ends um we've we've really and matt i appreciated this in your article that you posted on the blog um worship is not just the gathering on sunday morning it is a whole devotion of life to the lord what are some things brothers um i serve as 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 an assistant or associate pastor some so my perspective it, it comes from that perspective but I wanted to know if there's anything that we do as pastors on Sunday morning that really hinder the way that 
that negatively set the mood for the service? Are there any things that maybe we do, um, whether it be the placement of announcements or jokes? Is there anything that we do on Sunday morning that actually serves as a hindrance rather than a help to our people and helping them get back to that heart of worship? You know, I just want to say, so I know I'm, I don't want to dominate the time here, but I had the very, that very thought uh, this past Sunday. And I, I'm, I realized that uh, maybe I'm putting more of an emphasis on, you know, uh, illustrations that aren't helpful or maybe a, a joke that you're, you know, as preachers, we tend to have, um, uh, we, when we think that people are not paying attention or they're not interested, uh, we kind of get in the mindset that we have to say something like a joke or something to get people drawn in. But I found that to be a huge mistake. And uh, I don't do, I try not to do that anymore. Um, and this past Sunday was a proof of that fact. Uh, the things that I was doing that was unhealthy that I thought was helping was actually not good. And uh, to be honest, I eliminated all of that, uh, all that unnecessary joking and things. And I've got, I got serious with the, with preaching the word. Um, and I'm usually serious when I preach the word, but as I was expounding on the word, I tended to have more of a serious kind of tone um, and just uh, kind of with eternity in mind that we're, we are preaching God's word and souls are at stake and going in with that mindset changed my attitude that day and actually had better response from the church body. I had more people at the altar than I've had in the last two years that day. And so that's something that I learned the hard way and, um, trying to get uh, away from my pride that, you know, the message may be boring to some trying to stay biblical, um, you know, I, I know for a fact that Jonathan Edwards, from what I've heard, um, he was not a popular preacher per se. Uh, he was very monotone and he read his sermons. Um, that's kind of something that I think that, uh, you know, is a sign of the times as well. People want to be entertained because of the media influence and videos and, and all kinds of things, the 30 minute sitcoms. Uh, and I think as preachers, we tend to, uh, you know, uh, wrestle with the fact that we know our, our people are doing that during the week, but we want to kind of jump in that too. We want to be kind of like that and try to have a, a, a short joke break and pull people back in. Um, and then we get back on it and it's just not as powerful. I think that's a mistake on my part. I agree. And you, you mentioned um, media, which references our most recent podcast as well. Perhaps, Matt, I think one thing you might be saying is one way that we could prepare our hearts for worship is by considering the way that we are um, using media um, in leading into and up to the service. Absolutely. Yeah, I, well, I've got three things I kind of want to to highlight here that I, I think are are going to be really helpful just in terms of, and this is for both the the preacher as well as those that are attending the service, those that are serving. And that's the idea of, of serving the body of Christ by participating. I'll never forget, this was a very impressionable moment in my life when the church uh, I was serving in in Virginia, one year during a vision cast, the, the pastor there said, you know, we want you to serve. We want you to pick two ways to serve. And if you're here on Sunday mornings, you serve in one of those ways already. And that is 
by singing. Uh, Paul in Colossians, he is talking about the word of Christ and it dwelling, and he says that uh, we should be teaching and admonishing one another. And what does he talk about next? By singing. And so you, we have the ability to admonish one another by singing and singing loud. And I try to encourage uh, the church that I serve in regularly, whether or not you can carry a tune in a bucket, you should still be singing. Uh, you should still be proclaiming the truths that are in these songs. And so th that's kind of the first thing. The second thing is approaching worship with a clean heart. Uh, I think one of the things that I haven't heard said so far is, you know, we, we need to be preparing our, our hearts by uh, avoiding bad things, certainly. But I think on top of that, we should be confessing sin leading up to uh, the congregational gathering. And Absolutely. the third thing I, I want I want to note, it, just in terms of preparation of worship, <clears throat> certainly praying for those that you are going to be interacting with, those that will be hearing the word preached, praying for the preacher. Um, but I think the the final thing is like expecting the Lord to to do something, uh, and that that thought comes from. I think what really propelled all this on, it, Shane Pruitt shared something, uh, a few notes on worship and wanting church to feel differently. And, and his biggest thing was you have the ability to make that impact. It's the Lord that does the work, but we have the ability to uh, affect how we interact with uh, congregational worship just with a simple attitude. Matt, that's excellent, and I appreciate you sharing that. Uh, as you shared those items, those three items in that list, two aspects stood out to me. Holiness and expectation, two and three of your list. On holiness, I'm reminded of what Psalm 24 says. Who can ascend to the hill of the Lord? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. Brothers, we don't have clean hands and a pure heart. A heart from the imputed righteousness of Jesus Christ, our advocate. And because his righteousness has been applied to our hearts through faith, we can ascend to the hill of the Lord, not by our merit or our good deeds, but, but go into what Matt said about the holiness. We must keep the penal substitutionary atonement of Christ in our minds, even as we think about worship. So aspect of focusing on holiness and preparing our hearts. Uh, and I think one way to do that is just reflect on the atonement. And then the comment about expectation. Non-denominational churches, Pentecostal churches and holiness churches do not have a monopoly on the workings of the triune God. It is not un-free will Baptist, for example, for us to tell our people that they should come into worship with an attitude of expectancy. That's not something that that is only reserved for non-denominational charismatic Pentecostal churches. I think as pastors, one question we could pose, brothers, is what is something we can do to whet the appetites of our people? to increase the level of expectation that they have from God during the corporate worship service. Maybe that's a blog post we can write sometime, but 
what can we do to whet the appetites and increase the way that people expect God to move in real, tangible, and ordinary means of grace ways? You know, Dustin, I think I think that's um, I think you've answered your question. But I think the the way that you've answered the question is by a return to the ordinary means of grace, right? That that the the way in which we prioritize helping our people prepare for worship is by getting them in the word and by showing them the importance of the word and showing them the um, the sufficiency of the word. Well, the sufficiency of the word is what really grounds us. And as we think about, you know, our main concern today is how can we prepare for worship? The list can go on and on into eternity ad infinitum. But my question to you, dear listener, is what can you do to prepare your heart for worship this week? Maybe there's an attitude that needs to change or behavior that needs to change. Maybe there's a routine that needs to change. But as you do that, as you commit to recognizing, you know, I've been going to church, going through the motions. Maybe maybe you can just take one step this week to better prepare your heart for worship. Maybe maybe that means for you showing up five minutes earlier to pray in your pew before the music is even started or before the first prayer or the first greeting. Or maybe for you, that means that um, you set aside distractions. Now, one thing I wish to say to our listeners, brothers, as we commit to focus on improving our attentiveness, our presence in corporate worship, we need to be mindful that we're going to fail. We need to be mindful that we're going to fall short. And the reason I bring this out is because sometimes people will set goals in these kind of categories that are not reachable and obtainable. We have to give ourselves grace when we don't prioritize the worship that we should. But I think it really all comes down to what two, two themes been really dominate what we've shared so far. Number one, the centrality of the scriptures. If we get more of the scriptures in our heart, if we immerse ourselves more in the Bible, that's going to have an impact on how we worship, number one. Number two, not only must we ground ourselves in the Bible, but we must be mindfully present with the triune God who is present with us through his word, through his spirit, and as we reflect on his presence through the incarnation. Jesus, our Emmanuel, the object of our worship. And I think kind of our goal today is really just to move us back to a place where we're not going through the motions. I think that there is a need, brothers, for worship services to have order and structure. I think that we shouldn't keep our people in worship all day long. But brothers, sometimes I think we rush things a little too much. We've been at church for 20 or 30 minutes and people are bored and ready to go. And and part of that's because of culture and part of that's because of personal decisions. But can't we linger a little bit longer? We cannot expect revival to happen. People are talking about the revival that's happening at Asbury. And we praise God for what, what he has done, but more the fruit that will come through those that have been revived, and then they go out and make disciples, and they join Christ in his mission. 
that's where real revival happens. And we long for that. And yet we come to church and we want our pastor to hurry up and preach in 10 or 15 minutes. We live in a TikTok culture where 30 second or 10 second videos, people's attention spans. We can't control some of that. But I think, brothers, that we can increase the spiritual appetites of our people. And and maybe that looks like, you know, as pastors, sometimes we say things like, okay, I'm hurrying up to the last point or whatever. Maybe we just not say that, brothers. What do you think? Maybe we just, I'm not saying that we should be in church for six hours where we have a, a situation like the brother who fell asleep while Paul was preaching. I'm not suggesting that. I am suggesting that our cultural attitude toward worship is pitiful because we we want to spend four hours a day scrolling screens on our phone and we can't even give God 30 minutes. And I, I'm not being perhaps very charitable in this, but we're not giving God our total selves because we're not fully present. What do you think about that? Yeah, I agree. What? I agree. I think there's there's so many ways that that you can turn with this but like if 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 there is an aspect of committedness and devotion to the lord jesus then um like he you know who was it ct ct stud said if christ is not lord of all he's not lord at all um and i think that even um you know, carries over into how we prepare our hearts. He even um, said, Ben, you quote stud. He said, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and the thing about it is, is there's, there's this element of preparation that has to happen. Um, because the reality is we live in a world that's completely full of distractions and it's fallen and our natural way of of navigating life is not to prepare our hearts for the spiritual things. I mean, that's why why they're called spiritual disciplines is because we have to we have to discipline ourselves to do these things, um, and that even includes um, the way in which we we worship and the way in which we attend, and the way in which we prepare our hearts, you know, to worship the living God. Um, and so, you know, there there's just so many so many important things here uh to consider but i think um you know it all goes back to um like like answering the question how much does god really matter like yeah. is god lord is he lord and that and that matters being not only i, I think this episode today has been very general and, and we're focusing on on lay people as well as pastors but i want to i want to remind pastors about a very helpful resource um, written by you ben campbell Expos <laughs> expository preparation preparing your soul to preach i encourage our pastor listeners to get a copy of ben's book um not not just to promote my friend and my brother in christ and and you know, our our founder of everyday theology. But 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 I want I want our listeners to think seriously about what Ben wrote in expository preparation because a lot of the principles that Ben is writing about in that book are applicable directly to the pastor, but that trickles down to 
the people. So shameless mm-hmm. plug for your book, Ben. I appreciate that. Um, <laughs> ben didn't pay me to say that, guys. I, I just said it. I don't have that much money. I didn't sell enough books. But <laughs> but uh, no, I, it, it is important, though, because because not only like are we preparing for worship, but isn't preparation an act of worship as well? And so, you know, like your your prepared heart is your worship. And um, it doesn't have to be mystical. I mean, no. I think that's one thing I love about the ordinary means of grace is now I'll tell you this. There are elements of mysticism that I like that I'm attracted to. Uh, I don't desire to become a monk, <laughs> but at the same time, and this is a whole other thing, Ben, Yeah, I'm okay with, with reading the lectionary reading, for example. Mm-hmm. Uh, my general Baptist forebears probably would be very frustrated with me because I don't mind having liturgical readings insofar as they don't limit the uh, spontaneity of the Holy Spirit. And I think most people in our movement in Free Will Baptist, if you start mentioning things like like prayer books and stuff, they get a little nervous. That's too Catholic. Capital C, Catholic. Mm-hmm. But Ben, what I would like to suggest to our, our listeners as well as a tool, one way to prepare ourselves for worship um, is by going through something like the Valley of Vision. If you're not comfortable with... Um, you know, you're not comfortable with a resource like dailylectio.net that just lists the scripture reading and the prayer that's in a lectionary that day. Maybe you could read something like The Valley of Vision by Arthur Bennett, which is a collection of Puritan prayers. Or maybe you could uh, prepare your heart for worship by reading a little bit of C.S. Lewis or Augustine. My, my point is to connect back to what you said. It is a discipline. Uh, but there are tools that God has given us that we can better prepare our hearts uh, to worship him. And the point is, he does care how he is worshipped. And we, too, must care. And uh, I am reminded, Ben, and I think this is a good closing point here. In the Minor Prophets, God condemns the heartless worship of his people. Mm-hmm. Sacrifice and offering you did not delight in because it's... It's not from the heart. People in the minor prophets time period were bringing sacrifices to the temple, Ben, that were not really sacrifices. They they were not the finest animals of their flock. They were the worst. And God said, this is stinks to me. And yet in Revelation, it says that the prayers of the saints are fragrant aroma going before the throne and before the, the angels and the, the heavenly beings. Going back to our to our main idea, listener, what can you do to better prepare your heart for worship this week? Our episodes come out on Friday. Now is a very good time for you to begin preparing your heart for worship. And we hope that you all have a meaningful worship community to gather in week in and week out a covenant worship family, a covenant church family that you worship with intentionally, regularly, and consistently. We also pray that you will intentionally cultivate your heart toward getting more out of worship on Sunday. Any other final thoughts, brothers? No, I think I think you hit the nail on the head, man. I think I think there's so many ways in which we can prepare our hearts, but ultimately we prepare our hearts because 
um, because he is Lord and because um, we are fallen and we need um, we need to not only worship on Sundays, but the the most important thing we can do is prepare our hearts to worship with other believers and live lives that are witnesses to the gospel. Well, dear listeners, it has been good to discuss this with you. It has been uh, a good uh, discussion about preparing your hearts for worship. We hope um, that you have been encouraged, and we hope that you can take some of these principles and apply them to your own life so that you can not only prepare your heart to worship, but you can prepare your heart to gather with uh, the local body of believers um, for your edification and encouragement, but also for the glory of God. And we pray that these truths reach you for your good and for God's glory.